This is a podcast by the Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips. I'm your host, Chris Lim. Now, China. We all know it's a huge market and therefore packed with investment opportunities. There's also been talk about the post-pandemic global recovery being Asia-led and therefore China-heavy. But how do you act on these opportunities? We're going to tell you what you need to know in this episode, which is brought to you by Fidelity International. Our guest is Catherine Young, Fidelity International's investment director. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So China, what are the key things retail investors need to know about China as an investment market? So two key long-term investment opportunities for investors lies both in the Chinese consumer space as well as the innovation area. So when we look at the Chinese consumer, I mean, this is a multi-decade theme that is still playing out. So a number of investment opportunities. If we look at the consumer, in fact, macro-wise, we're now seeing household consumption contributing more to Chinese GDP as China moves away from being sort of less dependent on exports and investments. The continued uncertainty, though, around deglobalization as well as a global pandemic, it's actually been a positive for the Chinese consumer as well. So if we look at the household consumer rate or savings rate, I should say, it's 37%. And so we're still expecting this pent-up demand as we see the economy recover, play through. We're also seeing, finally, when we look at the Chinese consumer consumption upgrades and really seeing companies move towards this new business model, which in turn then leads to innovation. It's not just the consumer-related names that are seeing massive amounts of innovation come through, but biotechnology. In fact, Chris, across all sectors, we are seeing many businesses and management teams really focus on innovation. And of course, with Chinese very large population, the largest in the world, the quantity and quality of the data, we're seeing these really play out. And this is where China has an advantage over many other markets. What then are the key investment themes for retail investors to focus on in China? Well, again, it's playing into the growth of the Chinese domestic demand story. So last year, even President Xi Jinping and many of the senior government officials are talking about what we call the dual circulation policy. And this really is a focus on ensuring that when we look at GDP, whether it's, you know, it's consensus 8 to 9% for 2021, but let's say it drops to like 5 6%, that really pushing that GDP is a consumption story. So buying of goods and services, both Chinese brands as well as international brands can also benefit or play into this huge consumption story. The tricky thing though, Chris, is at this point in time, is, as the Chinese economy has recovered, as the markets are doing incredibly well, and there's so much liquidity in China, you're seeing the crowded trade emerge. So many, many of these consumer and innovative names, some of them can be very, very expensive at this point in time. So that, that's just the risk that investors should be mindful of. Okay, you mentioned data and tech earlier. Why are these things a key development? Why is it important for investors to be aware of? Well, they're now saying that data is in fact the new oil and whoever owns this data is like the big oil countries. So when we look at China in terms of their advantages, there are two really, the access to data. So in China, the access that we see, it's far more liberal in terms of the attitude versus in the West, where we see increasingly strong privacy regulations. So therefore, it makes the access to this data more difficult. Don't forget also that China's 5G program is significantly advanced versus other nations. So this really enables or helps areas such as artificial intelligence. 
And then the other significant advantage China has is the quantity and quality of the data. So, you know, China has created more data than any other country. Again, courtesy of its large population. This is why when we see penetration of smartphone users, internet users, the usage of mobile payments, it's really, really ahead of other nations. If you like Money Hacks so far, please subscribe to Money Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. And now back to our conversation with Catherine Young, Fidelity International's Investment Director, about what you need to know about investing in China. This episode is brought to you by Fidelity International. Now, before the break, we were talking about what you need to know about China as an investment market, as well as the key investment themes to focus on. We mentioned some such as data, tech, 5G, but how exactly can retail investors act on these themes and opportunities? What are the concrete opportunities and steps retail investors can take? In terms of you know, the steps, I've mentioned innovation and the Chinese stock market has been the best performing stock market you know, last year, for example. When we look at drivers of all markets, not just China, we look at three key areas. And the first one is the flattening of the COVID curve. And China's done very, very well. Yes, we do see some cases breaking out around the country, but the containment efforts has been very, very successful. The second key driver for markets that we've been looking at and continue to look at is the pace and sustainability of the economic recovery. By the end of the first half in 2020, we had in fact seen manufacturing, industrialization recover to pre-COVID normal levels in China. Then in the second half, we started to see again consumption and services pick up. And then the third key area that we look at is policy response and implementation. And the Chinese government or the officials have really gone against what central bankers have been doing globally in terms of the supportive measures or the stimulus that we have seen being put into different economies. So the PBOC took a very disciplined approach. And in fact, we might in fact see areas such as liquidity being tightened now that we are seeing this economic recovery. So China's, again, moved very, very quickly out of the COVID situation that we did see, particularly in the first quarter of 2020. And this is why the market's done very, very well. So innovation, consumption names, especially the high growth, well-recognized names have done incredibly well. And so this juncture, because we're seeing these prices being at quite elevated levels, there are other names in the market which look attractive. So smaller companies, perhaps, or indeed, and this is quite contrarian because, again, most people go to China for the growth opportunities relating to consumer-related names or innovation. But the other area of the market, the names are still delivering who have great market share of their particular industry, who are paying a very attractive dividend yield and are trading at very, very reasonable prices. Because quite frankly, Chris, the market, all investors just haven't even been paying attention to them because of that crowded trade towards, again, biotech and consumer-related big tech names. Interesting. So basically look at some of the smaller players and those that had a good record for paying solid dividends might not be flashy, but they're doing well and sanely priced. So those are something that retail investors could look at. Yes. And it's interesting because, again, the contrarian investment opportunity in China is relating to this income theme. So again, if we think about the Chinese investor base, and the Chinese investor, by the way, is becoming more and more influential, influential in terms of the flow of money especially into the Hong Kong stock market, so the Chinese names which are listed in Hong Kong. And you could see this money start going into other areas such as ASEAN, across the region, and then into international equities. But why are we seeing the growth of the investor base in China? 
And it's really driven to, or really a result, I should say, Chris, because of the urbanization theme, as well as the growth of the middle class. So those two catalysts are also driving the consumption story. But as you see households becoming wealthier, where are you going to see that money being directed? And so, yes, you can put it into a bank account, but like the rest of the world, the banks are really paying quite low interest in terms of your deposits. You can put it in the property market, but China is very stringent in terms of their policy around property purchases, even though property remains the backbone of the economy. And so, therefore, you open up capital markets such as equity markets and fixed income markets. And so, therefore, you need to change the mindset of how Chinese investors used to previously think about equities. It was very short-term investing. They want to see long-term investing. And and what drives long-term investing is what we call the total return. So it's not just potential for the stock markets or the stock price to do well, capital appreciation because of higher earnings, growth and revenue, but also the income aspects. And so what we are, in fact, seeing, Chris, is you're seeing many corporates, a lot of them are state-owned enterprises, by the way, what we call SOEs, really paying attention to their balance sheet and rewarding minority shareholders through income or through dividend payments. And this dividend yield payout ratio is, in fact, going up in China. And this is ultimately good from a governance perspective because we're seeing a lot more transparency and, again, these companies rewarding minority shareholders. So it's one area to definitely pay attention to, this income theme, which is going to be very long-term and works nicely as well as if you have those more growth-orientated names in your portfolio. Interesting points you've made, but are there any risks that investors should look out for? A shorter-term risk this year would, in fact, still be this sort of the very expensive prices we are seeing in certain parts of the market. So if, for example, we see inflation rise, if we see also a global recovery, you could start seeing, therefore, other sectors or other industries see a pickup in earnings. And therefore, people will say, well, I'm paying a lot of money for stock A, which has done incredibly well. But now I see other opportunities, these companies that are still delivering. And so you might see this rotation from high growth or what we call momentum related names in the market to, again, the more value orientated names. So there's still a lot of opportunity in that respect because you know, you're seeing so many names or industries trading at very reasonable prices because of the crowded trade. So that could occur. But over the medium to long term, one of the key risks for China still remains policy implementation or policy mishap. So far, though, Chris, you know, especially over the past few years, the authorities or the regulators have done, you know, relatively speaking, a very good job in terms of managing both the economy as well as various aspects of the market and market behavior. Thanks for being on the show, Catherine. Thanks so much, Chris. We've been telling you what you need to know about investing in China with my guest, Catherine Young, Fidelity International's Investment Director. This episode was brought to you by Fidelity International. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3. Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.